So self-care at its core is about boundaries. Yeah. It's about you knowing yourself and to an extent loving yourself yeah. to know what it is you need. And what you need, what you need may not always be what you want. Hi, my name is Vinay Nair and welcome to Reclaim Social, a podcast powered by Lightful. Reclaim Social started as a campaign in 2018 with an idea where we thought, what if we could make social media more positive? Since then, we've reached tens of millions of people, and this is just the beginning. On the Reclaim Social podcast, we talk to inspiring people who make the social media world more positive, one post at a time. So let's go. It's time to Reclaim Social. Welcome to a new episode of the Reclaim Social podcast. I'm very excited today. We have Shayi Akiwowo, the founder and executive director of Glitch, an advocacy campaigning and training organization dedicated to ending online abuse. Welcome, Shayi. It's really nice to have you here. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, I know some things about you. I've done my research, but <laughs> I'd like to hear more about you to tell us a bit about yourself and let everyone know all the amazing things you've done the last few years. Um, well, as you said, I'm the executive director of Glitch. And as of today, we are a team of five um, amazing, uh, including myself in that, <laughs> individual <laughs> individuals who are so passionate about ending online abuse and raising awareness um and for the last three years will be three big glitch will be three in april we i with the team and team of volunteers and advisors and trustees have been really trying to build this narrative around the online space being hijacked basically by the far right by um oppression that you see oppressive structures that you see offline basically being reproduced online and the negative impact that was having on gender equality the negative impact that was having on human rights and yes the for the last two and a half years we've just been really trying to campaign and raise awareness of that and deliver our training training programs and learn from that and like take the learnings from the women from our workshops into our advocacy campaigns making sure they're real and um, I guess, yeah, it's been really interesting going from being a former counsel, like being a counsellor and calling myself a recovering politician for a while to having this new title mm. of executive director. And we're waiting for our charity registration number. And um, yeah, I'm really kind of preparing myself now of calling myself that executive director. And what does that mean to be in this charity mm. sector? And try and change the game a little bit there as I was trying to do in politics. So before Glitch, I was uh, a politician, a local politician in East London. Shout out to anyone from East London that may be listening. Um, I was elect- I was selected as a candidate at 22, elected at 23, and then for four years, um, tried so hard to serve my community and connect people within the community and remind people of like a little community called Maryland that exists because it's not technically Stratford but it's got the same post you know just trying so hard and at the same time trying to raise awareness of the lack of representation of black women in politics and that's not because we're not trying that's because the systems and the and the processes are just are just racist (laughs) let's just say it is racist and sexist and so I try really hard to use my platform to encourage others but also making sure that the the environments are safer too um 
I am British Nigerian and I have a huge crush on Idris Elba. I talk about him quite a lot. He's like my self care space. Um, but yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's and me. what's one random or if anything that we don't know about you? Could be anything. Some people may not know this, um, but I'm a, I'm actually allergic to bananas. Really. Yeah, and well, we're uh, over. yeah, <laughs> and I and increasingly got worse when I was at uni, and you know, like the hormones and you're stressed yeah, out, yeah, yeah. final exams and stuff. It was one time I was at a computer working uh, for my dissertation and was in the library all day, and I think I've, I finally gave into my bladder and went to the bathroom, <laughs> and I looked at my face, and I had like these huge oh, spots on the side of my face where a banana peel had been sitting by somebody else's computer next to me and so let's go I'm severely allergic to bananas but I find it fascinating because I just don't think technically we should be allergic to nature yeah Yeah. um but yeah so I can't eat stuff like banana cake or banana flavor I think it like makes me want to go yeah (laughs) staying away from that yeah well uh I'd like to know more about glitch and the work that you're doing so would you like to tell us more about what was the process as you've said setting it up getting into a whole new world and working towards something that you're really passionate about yeah so glitch is a non-for-profit organization hopefully maybe the time this podcast comes out we're a charity um and we're all we're dedicated. We're all dedicated to ending online abuse through championing digital citizenship. We believe that digital citizenship is the solution to addressing some of the online harms that we're seeing happen on the online spaces. Um, and for us, digital citizenship is about we have rights online, just like we have rights to education and voting, and with all rights come responsibilities. And starting to build a narrative and a standard around what those responsibilities should look like for the individuals and individual users online, as well as us as a society, part of a community online or communities, and also the tech companies and government, what their responsibilities are. So Glitch is kind of three key areas of work where we're like kicking ass in is around raising awareness of online abuse and its impact. So we've really, over the last two years, changed the game around the, around even calling it online abuse before a lot of people just was like oh it was a bit of bullying online um and really we do a really good job the team do a really good job and all the volunteers who've been with us over the last um two and a half years have done a really good job of raising awareness of the the impact of online abuse on different communities because i think for so long particularly a, a a problem that the global north have because it's an international issue, is framing online abuse or any form of violence around white women. And so we did a very good job of saying this has to be applied with an intersectional lens. And so we need to look at how online abuse affects trans communities and things like dead naming where their previous identity yeah. is brought up online or how hate speech will affect particularly groups with protect- protected characteristics or how online abuse um, is experienced from communities who are disabled or who are on benefits and, you know, it's really important that we have this diverse understanding of online abuse. Otherwise, if we just talk about one type of online abuse, we're raising yeah. the experience to everybody and we're not keeping up with the different tactics. So we're not keeping up with like the way surveillance is being used now on Facebook and um, you know apps now to hack, hack passwords and how there's such an intersection between domestic violence and now yeah. online violence. So we do a really good job of like raising awareness of online abuse and the tactics and emerging trends around incel groups and around far-right groups and other extremist groups as well. 
And then our second area of, of work is around advocacy, which has been a steep learning curve for me because it's about being really di- diplomatic. And I'm really <laughs> not, I'm not British Nigerian, I'll say it as it is. Um, so really doing our advocacy work uh, around government's responsibility and setting better laws and protections for citizens yeah. and holding government holding tech companies to account but doing that in a very nuanced and proper manner so there's not yeah. a curtailment on freedom of expression it's not it's not it's, it's not seeping into big big brother and so there's it's it's, it's complicated That's challenging. it is very challenging and, very and not being called out by other organizations and so that's you know it's about accountability too and then we do advocacy work with the tech companies so I try and do a try and strike a balance between calling stuff out that needs to be called out and that yeah. can, and and knowing that I have the platform to be able to do that because of the amount of followers that I have but also the kind of insight I have into the sector. So some things I probably say more directly than that ever come from Glitch's account, but then we also work with like Twitter and and Facebook and Google to give in intel from what we're seeing from our workshop surveys and what we're, the trends that we're seeing and experiences that we're seeing because really, we're really about championing lived experience. And then our third bit, which is probably my favourite, um, is our workshops, is around digital citizenship workshops in schools and getting young people to start seeing themselves as digital citizen and realising that this space is something that they can claim to so they can take up space in their local area but also online. And I love when that moment of realisation comes onto their faces um, and then our other workshops around digital self-care and mm. self-defence. That's for any woman in public life, charity, MP, activist campaign that can come along to our, f- our workshops um, for free. And we also do go into go into organisations and deliver them. But there are we ha- we host free workshops on staying safe for online and um, get setting boundaries and understanding cybersecurity tips. But what's been really interesting is that Glitch has grown in those three areas, but also internationally. So I remember being out of the country more in one month than I was in the country. I was in Africa probably for about three weeks. Oh, that's um, but I've not been yet. I've not yet been to Nigeria. It will happen soon. Amen. But I remember going from South Africa to Senegal, back to South Africa and Bots- then Botswana, um, delivering workshop trainings there and helping the new MPs in Botswana with their online safety so we're very much seeing that Glitch is having to have an international reach and we've been doing a lot with the Human Rights Council in the UN and I'm a UN goalkeeper as well so we're really trying to show that you can't achieve these goals without tackling online abuse because it's a massive hindrance to gender equality and access and affordability and quality education which is three of the many goals that they have so yeah. Well, as you've said, actually, and I was about to ask, online abuse is a very important topic, and it's shocking to think that women are 27 times more likely to be harassed online. It's really shocking to even consider that, and all the differences around racism in general, as you mentioned. So what can people do to be an active bystander online? Yeah, so as you said, the UN Broadband um, report a couple of years ago found that women globally were 27 times more likely to be harassed than men. And actually Amnesty's research over the last few years have found that a quarter of women in the UK polled experienced online harassment and almost a third were now starting to censor themselves. And then there was a com- there was stats coming out around mental health and feeling distressed yeah. and the ripple effects of that. And 
black women were 84% more likely to black. Like the, yeah. the stats are, you know, have really come out of the last couple of years. And we see that very much in our workshops. And the fact that you've asked me that question, 27 times more likely, is down to the work that Glitch has been doing to raise awareness yeah, of these exactly. stats and evidence. So it's just, that's the key thing. The first thing as a bystander is to know that this stuff goes on, to acknowledge it. But if we don't acknowledge, for example, on the tube that sexual harassment can happen on the tube, yes. like men being really annoying and like rubbing themselves on women on the tube, if we don't acknowledge that that happens, how can you be an active bystander? Yeah. How can you call out something that you don't even know exists? So the first thing to do is for men online to realise this happens. I remember being in a, at a conference. This is where I was learning to be diplomatic <laughs> as well. I remember being at a conference and we were, t- we were all talking about the online space. This was in Canada and how it needs to be better and how we need to talk about digital citizenship and we need to be allies online. Like, we know we're having a really good conversation and then somebody takes the mic and lies, a lovely, seems like a really lovely, but blonde, blue-eyed white man took the mic and says, I've just been sitting here really astonished at the uh, experiences that people have been having online. I love being online. Like, I've got Instagram, you just like, <laughs> listing all your piece of accounts. And we just all looked and said, of course she would have a good time. Like, of, of course she would, because it's for you. It's been yeah, generated yeah, yeah. for you. You are the, you are the uh, default. It's for you. And anything that is a, a variance of that is othered immediately. If you're a woman, a visibly Muslim woman, you wear a hijab or you have something in your bio or, what, you know, you've got a Arabic sounding name. You might not even yeah. be Muslim or Jewish. You know, you, you're already under attack and... That's really important when you're being a bystander to to understand you do have some form of online privilege and that yeah. you need to be aware of that. And then the other things that you can do is report abuse that you see on the platform. So things like death threats, things like impersonation accounts, things like hacking, things that are harassment, things that have got inappropriate language in them. You can report that to the platform. The other thing you can do is replying to the post as originally intended because that helps curtail derailment. Another tactic that trolls and abusers online like to use is uh, is to derail your topic so say i was talking about black lives matter then they'll come into the into my mentions to say but what about blue lives what about white lives what about these and and no one was saying that it's kind of derailing the conversation so one thing you can do is bring the topic back to hand the other things you can do is encourage the person who's going for abuse to document it which we because we don't have enough evidence of what's happening we don't have that offline as well with offline yeah. violence so we need to know that um what is going on because it's massively underreported. so we have a free resource on our website and we can put it at the bottom of the, yes of course we'll of make the, sure we feature everything yeah, yeah. It's, it's free website a free resource on how to document online abuse and so you can attach that as a as an email or part of your report to the police and then finally think about your digital self-care and think and as a as a as an active bystander what could you do to support somebody's digital self-care so i've seen people do um really kind things like five pounds five dollar starbucks coffee coffee vouchers and i've seen people uh, send cat memes or videos or TikTok, you know, TikTok stuff yeah, just yeah. to just distract them. And I always tell, and it works every single time. I always tell people, if you see me responding to some trolls because I have the time to, um, don't tell me not to respond to them because you don't know how many I've ignored. Yeah, yeah. Just send me some Idris Elba photos and I'll Still be absolutely fine. Yeah, and I'll so. be fine. So yeah, seeing pictures of him will make me smile. It's a really good idea. Still, <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes we underestimate 
how something that's just distracting in the moment can still help you just for a second. For sure, distraction's really good. Knowing that someone's so knowing that knowing that they've been seen and what's happening yeah. is not, is wrong. So validating their feelings, and just making sure they're not isolated because that's the that with every form of violence, it's about isolating the victim, yeah. and then people don't feel like they can reply or retweet or show support because they don't want to get the pile on as well. And that is classic. Um, tactics we see with offline violence isolate the victim isolate them from their friends yeah, and yeah. family get those support and then boom you know and we see what that's leading to with young people at the moment displaying more there's more cases more cases um the nhs have said are relating to the online space and social media than ever before yeah and that's actually really encouraging to be able to recognize some patterns and be able to be more aware on how you can tackle this from now on yeah and i wanted to hear from you how do you think social media fit into the idea of activism? How social channels can either help or not help, possibly? That's what Glitch is about. Yeah, Gl- exactly. Gl- Glitch is about <laughs> fixing the glitch because the internet is not fulfilling its, its potential. And sometimes I get portrayed as, with all the other stereotypes of being an angry black woman, but sometimes I get portrayed as being this internet hater. I am, I am not. If you look at my, if you look at my tweets, for example, yeah. I am actually a very good tweeter. I do really funny. Definitely agree on that. <laughs> Thank you. I do really good threads. I do really funny, funny good morning questions. I really, I do, and I, you know, I guess influencers will call it content. It's not content. It's just me off the cuff. I'm engaging in the platform that is how it's meant to be. When this stuff was kicking off in Sudan, when there was stuff with the, um, with the bushfire in Australia and you weren't hearing from diverse voices like I I was using my platform to raise awareness of that so I definitely think social media is is crucial to to activism it's crucial in giving communities that will never had the mic and probably will never get the mainstream mic um, a platform to talk about their issues and control their stories for so long and it's something I really have to be careful of with Glitch when we have people come to our workshops or even how I tell my story not to feed this thing that mainstream media want which is this victimhood yeah. they want you to put you know to put my, me and my work wife Gabby she runs bloody good period you should totally have her on your oh, podcast yeah. so um, and uh, we always she she does this and we always talk about not portraying the people that we serve and work with um, as like sad and you know desperate like that's the narrative they have of yeah. the refugee communities that she works with or the women that we work with and and you know how they want to portray my story they you know they want me to start saying that I was sad and you know what what like so we have to be really careful that we don't fall for that trap and it's yeah. the same thing you need to do with getting funding as well which is another story we should talk, talk about <laughs> in this charity <laughs> sector but that's why social media allows you the individual the marginalized voice that has stories written about you but never from you to control your own story and narrative and it's so powerful and it's those exact communities that need social media that are being censored that are being silent and that's why we do what we do and that's the idea of fix the glitch and how it started it's this idea of addressing the glitches that are stopping the internet from fulfilling its fullest potential it sounds great uh, quite similar to that, we've actually started running a campaign called Reclaim Social. It's now the third year on the 6th of Congratulations. February. And it was the idea, how can we make social media more positive? In a sense, as you've said, not focusing on the negative side that we do recognize, but actually highlighting more positive and inspiring stories. And I actually remember in your TED talk, you were talking about the importance of reclaiming our online public spaces, which felt perfect. And of course, I had to ask, so how can we actually reclaim social for good? 
and address the topics that are actually so negative. Yeah, again, it's this idea of digital citizenship and understanding that we have rights and responsibilities. And part of our responsibility is to sometimes pick up the trash, sometimes do our bit, you know, paint the walls, whatever it is that you would do for your community centre, your library or local area has to be applied online. And there's lots of behavioural science research that talks about amplifying the good, overshadows, diffuses the hate and the negativity. So... You know things like not quoting, not quote tweeting people that what that feed off your outrage, but quote tweeting the good story. So I try really hard, especially when I've gone through a real like episode of responding to some of the trolls, particularly when they reply to my stuff around articles to do with Meghan Markle or on you know women, black women and stuff like that. Um, I try to balance then my feed with like like replying to um, uh, people that I follow who post photos of their beautiful kids or a fun, you know, funny threads or whatever. And I think that's just making sure that we amplify the good as well as acknowledge and try and address the bad. And I, so I think people should be proud and feel confident, but also have the tools to share what they're doing and um, sh- you know, use Insta stories, I think is a really good way of like showing behind the scenes yeah. of your work yeah, as yeah. well. I try really hard to show behind the glitch on my Insta stories. So how I prepare for meetings, how I prepare for meetings, like you know, speaking to ministers and stuff like that. And I think that gives people a taste of like, oh, there, I- there, are, yeah, exactly. there is good work going on. If I only went up to Insta stories to just talk about the times I was trolled, I think people would then be put off by this whole charity thing. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. And I was actually interested in that when you were talking about self-care and, of course, how important it is when using social media. So what does digital self-care look like to you? Yeah, so self-care at its core is about boundaries. It's about you knowing yourself and, to an extent, loving yourself to know what it is you need. And what you need, what you need may not always be what you want. That's true. So if you need to have some vegetables, you may not want vegetables, you may want chocolate. Yeah, of course. But if you know you need to exercise yeah. or yoga or go for a walk or cut down on smoking, whatever it is, sometimes what you need is not what you want, but you still have to carve out those, that time. And the same pieces of the puzzle, the self-care puzzle offline, apply online. What is it you need? What content do you need to be around? What counts do you need to be following? How much time should you be focusing on this? On this, Where should you be focusing your attention? What time of the day? All applies online as well. So my Instagram is probably the nicest of places because I follow so many self-care activists, campaigners, accounts, quotes. So I'm like, fed 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 and i'm ready to go into twitter which is which is a combination of black twitter which is hilarious and funny and strong and inspiring um as well as obviously political twitter from my previous yeah, previous life and and then all other kind of you know news and stuff but then on on twitter i mute certain words so i've muted piers morgan i've muted um the kardashians and the jenners i've Wait, muted yeah, uh, Alan Sugar, like I've just muted people that I, you know, Lawrence Fox, just muted people that were evidently feeding off outrage online, and I didn't want to see that in the morning. And you know, if I, I used to, I don't know, any, I don't do this anymore, but I used to wake up with my phone, and the first thing I would check was Twitter for the news. So I'd guilty. go <laughs> guilty, right? Um, but I would just be seeing, you know, 
breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. That's not how I want to start my day. So I, I did a lot around muting the words and then and then now I just don't even check my phones in the morning, check my phone in the morning, morning. Sounds great. I should actually do that. It must be a great experience. Can I, my, <laughs> so it's taken me 28 and a half years to get to a really good self-morning routine. Amazing. But again, it's not what I want to do. It's what I need to do to be a really good and productive and wholesome leader for my team mm-hmm. if I'm snappy and irritable yeah. and I've not slept and I'm you know anxious I'm not being that I'm not being a good leader for my team so I've taken the time as part of this kind of journey of b- discovering myself as an executive director to really carve out my self-care routine so I have a SAD lamp you know the seasonal mm-hmm. oh, yeah, depressive yeah, yeah. light it's part of my lamp and I set that up and I get a sunrise yeah, yeah, for 10 minutes. That's actually a good idea. Yeah, with, with some birds. And uh, it's the best way to wake up. And there's no excuse, therefore, to be on my phone. Yeah. There's no alarm. I, I either go to bed with 4% battery. So by the time it dies, I'm, I have to be off the phone. Nice and I charge it in the morning. And it means I'm charging my phone once a day, which is also, I've noticed, saving me a bit of lecky because I'm not only charging it once a day. Yeah, because once it's dead, it's dead. And I also don't need to wake up with my phone and I will put it further away so I have to actually get up. And the first thing I need to do is look at myself in the mirror. So I wash my face, brush my teeth, um, the other way around. I'll brush my teeth, wash my face. Um, And then I will look at whoever. But I need to look at me first and honour me first before I do anything else. And I think, you know, Audrey Lord's quote, have you read any of Audrey Lord's, right? And Audrey Lord's quote about self-care being an act of political warfare so important it's even more apparent now like we have to look after ourselves if we want to be sustainable and have longevity the charity sector the third sector and campaigners and activists are always known for burning out or always known for being short-lived um or because we prefer people over profit but that's another conversation (laughs) but we have to start thinking about sustainability and looking at different types of models that are around it so it's not been easy, but in our strategy, in our business plan for Glitch, in our theory of change, we've incorporated incorporated self-care as much as possible. To be sustainable organization, which is one of our objectives, we must embed, embed yeah. as much as possible self-care. And I'm really trying to be a leader that works four days a week um, on a salary that allows me to work four days yeah. a week since I've got a fundraise for that, but really trying to embody that, not answering emails late, or if I am, I'm not starting so early the next morning and yeah. things like that and taking toil. And I just think it's really important to get those foundations right in a small charity because you just we're just going to then reproduce the behaviours that have meant that some charities have not been able to last yeah. long or you know aren't as inclusive so i've not meant it to be this way but we we are all we are all women team our trustees are all women and our volunteers are women apart from one guy called ray hello ray um and he again he's such a lovely ally as well but we we didn't meet and raise a, a man of color um but i think because of our inclusive practice naturally our recruitment process our interviews everything just meant that we were reaching out to diverse people who were not some one one of our team i've never met in person oh interesting yeah based in in uh, near uh, the lake district love them to bits and name's laura shout out to laura but i've uh, never met her that's great and i feel actually it's what you've said especially in the charity sector the sooner you start with understanding the importance of self-care of how to be inclusive and how to be welcome in your environment the better it will be for you as you're growing 
think you said the groundwork. Absolutely. Um, it was my really, really good friend's uh, dad's funeral on uh, Monday. And it was really hard. It's been a hard couple of weeks. And the team have been there. And we're, we're a new, we're, we're a growing team. So every time there's a new person. So we're all, it's all still new in terms of us chilling. But they totally had my back. Totally was like, flexible with meetings and covered me and picked up stuff for me and changed stuff. And so I was able to have Monday and and that's lovely and I and I know that's from dropping the seeds and modeling and they've been able to give that back and I know and I know if I was to go tomorrow because Idris Elba's finally going to put a ring on it um I know that glitch will exist and I know glitch will exist in embodying self-care too this is really amazing actually thanks and by the way speaking of activism I've noticed lately that there is a rising amount of books on activism and digital campaigns and I think I've read most of them lately because I found it really interesting to hear from different people how they deal with different campaigns and their own experiences and I wanted to check with you do you ever think that you'd like to talk and write a book at some point with your experience on the whole idea of glitch and how you've walked through the years I tell you another secret you asked me in the beginning um I have a phobia of writing really which is weird because I'm a really good on Twitter <laughs> um but I have could be a Twitter thread then make it be, maybe it just be the longest book or, or the longest Twitter thread rather it would be a book um I would love to write uh, a book on self-care mm. and that extension of Audrey Lord's quote and my kind of reflections yeah. as, a, as a young black woman and I'd love to p- put forward a black woman's perspective on self-care because I definitely think self-care shouldn't be about shouldn't be about buying anything but I do think if you need to buy something because you've done an assessment it's also okay so if you need to do a massage where there is a lot of evidence to show why massage is really good around PTSD and trauma then that's okay so I feel like we've gone from the extreme of like capitalism taking over self-care to then now not doing any of those things that you might need to do because you're worried that you're a fake you're a fake activist or you're you know like like I love the the um I love the process of getting my nails done because it means it's 45 minutes that I cannot touch my phone (laughs) so I'm literally disconnected I'm actually having I'm actually having a conversation with somebody that doesn't really care I mean we're friends now actually over the years because of how good our conversations are or having a really genuine, like, light conversation. It's a, it's a nice thing no for me to do. So I fit my nail appointments during my week. And um, I think capitalism or the, the, the conversation around capitalism and self-care has meant that people then don't want to paint their nails or don't yeah, want to go yeah, for a yeah. massage or don't want to set boundaries because we're meant to allow people to have access to us all the time, 24-7, because that's the right thing to do. And, and I, I don't think so. So anyway, I would love to write... A book about self-care and I'd love to use it use my journey from getting it in like losing Charlotte at 15 who was stabbed at a house party and what sparked my activism into politics and and show you know talk about my mum as well where I don't I think she she was good at some elements of self-care but but because she was a single parent it was extremely yeah. difficult so I didn't learn self-care from my mum so I had to unlearn and then learn and I'd love to use that as a story and I'd love to talk about glitch and 
how I've definitely cried many times about around funding applications and all sorts of stuff with Glitch, but how I've been able to keep self-care and say, I'm not a master, but here are some tools that you could use. your experience, and I think that would be really interesting. I, oh, would you? Okay, that's good to know. Twitter still. Uh, Maybe a long (laughs) thread. I'd love to also do more around how I set up Glitch, because setting up a charity is no easy feat. And I know I'm in a relatively privileged position, having been elected as a counsellor, having networks, having a story that people can believe in, being really good at public speaking so I could get people to, you know, join our board and help with fundraising and stuff like that. But there was just things like, how do you know what constitution you want to use or have? And, you know, all of that, which I know politics helped me with that as well, right? You know, when you have have, um, rules and... Meet, uh, meetings and being core like, that, that all came from being ingrained in a political party for 10 years and being on the council for four years so I really want to show behind the scenes and show a black woman entering the charity sector because I will be one of me- very few I was going to say many I'll be one of very few black women leaders of a charity a small charity in the UK so I really want to do more around behind the glitch and yeah showing that you can turn your campaign and activism into a thriving, sustainable organisation and work in partnership with other people too. So I definitely have been influenced by my feminism and my feminist principles around how, how Glitch works. Mm. We probably have way many, we probably have way too many partners, but we, you know, people say, if you met someone, so yeah, know them already. Like we Still work... but we work in partnership wherever we can because it's about sharing resources and intel we're not ego driven at all um and so i'd love to kind of share more of that and i think my final thoughts i would say around setting up an organization and the things that i'm interested in and, and the importance also around you know the charity sector and the third sector or even if you're just an individual listening to this because you are you know doing a campaign or something really think about your own accountability yeah yeah of course I think accountability has such a negative, ugly word at the moment because it's been used to like abuse. It's yeah, been used yeah. as it's been used as an as a as an as an excuse to send abusive messages to MPs or whatever. I think accountability has been seen as some is council culture. I think uh, accountability has been seen as something that happens afterwards. Whereas I think actually accountability is about putting in again that framework yeah. that you need as a leader to make sure you're thriving. So. Who holds you accountable? Who challenges you? Who is your check? Who are your checks and balances? And I have different accountability measures. I mentioned my work wife, Gabby. Yeah. She holds me to account. Actually, she sent me a very lovely message on the way here saying, should we just meet up for coffee or come to my house and you can just cry? And actually, if you just need to cancel beforehand, you can do that too. But should we just put that in the diary? Like she, she's amazing at holding space. We're amazing at holding space for each other yeah. when it's needed. And she's really good at making sure that I'm not overexerting myself and vice versa. And we work really get well together, actually. We work on something called FU Pay Me, which is around getting more women freelancers, activists and campaigners paid for the work that they do, rather than yeah. just going to a panel and, and hardly getting travel expenses covered. But Gabby's my accountability mechanism. Our partners as well, who are other CEOs of organisations, so Charlotte from Feminist Internet or Catherine from the Joe Cox Foundation... Um, are really important to me because they also get it. But I also have people who hold me accountable who are like hardcore feminists mm. and help me apply what I believe in theory into practice. Yeah. 
And, you know, it's just, you know, things like, should I go to this event at Facebook? You know, because how does it perceive when I'm meant to be holding them accountable? I will pour on my friends like Janie, who's at we, um, Level Up. I don't know if you've ever heard of oh, them. Yeah. Um, and um, Barbara, she's an amazing activist. She used to be part of NUS. So she really knows what it means to lead a conflicting group of people, but trying to imp- imp- embed your feminist mm. and black feminist principles. So I really think it's really important wherever you are in your stage of activism campaigning or a charity leader or organization leader really think about your account that accountability mechanism so that you are um you know close to 100 you know close to 100 percent your 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 fullness as much as possible and, they, and people have your back sounds perfect <laughs> so what's next for glitch and you personally what would you like to see? Happen? Oh, I want Glitch to get its charity number. Hopefully soon. <laughs> Hopefully soon. I we are we are working on this uh, research project on Black women's experience of online abuse mm, and harassment and disinformation. So I think that's going to be really exciting to look at that. Um, really awful as well to look for the data, oh, but yeah, really exciting to launch that and really show, change the way around how projects around online abuse and tech is funded because it was really difficult to pitch for why we should be looking at just Black women. And I'd really look forward to, you know, glitch now being quoted for research rather than us always quoting other people, but that's fine. It must um, be great, actually. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, I really am looking forward to it. Um, and then me personally, yeah, I'd love to write a book. I'd also like to start thinking about my transition. Like, I I think, I mean, because a transition is not going to happen overnight, right? Mm-hmm. So really thinking about probably can do another two to three years of glitch and then we yeah. need to think about getting someone ready in to come in and maybe be our COO or something like that. Because, yeah, I'll be, I'm 28, so another three years means I'll be 31. Mm-hmm. I'd love to have some babies. Um, so, yeah, just what I'm thinking around, like, getting us in, in formation, as Beyonce would yeah. say, a little bit. And, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll write this book. Sounds great. Maybe we should check in there. Yeah, <laughs> hold me accountable. Yeah, of course. Well, we're done with the difficult questions, or at <laughs> least the ones taking longer to reply, but they were also very interesting. And we're always finishing with the rapid fire round. Cool. So questions that you just reply spot on. Cool. Well, first question. What's your favorite go-to karaoke song? Working nine to <laughs> five. What a way to make a living. My mum bought me a karaoke machine when I was younger. That's when it had still had a cassette, right? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, in the yeah. karaoke machine. A CD and cassette. It's weird. And a mic. And uh, the words came up and I find the first karaoke song I could learn off by heart was um, Dolly Parton, 9 to 5. And then it was I Will Survive. Nice. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those are my two go-to. And you and you always know they're going to be in the karaoke book, right? True, like, yeah. So there's no... Yeah, I miss that. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, what would you do if you were invisible for a day? If I was invisible for a day, my instant reaction would be to like l- see life through, as a through through the lens of a mediocre white man. Interesting. I think they've got some key key tips in life. Like I remember talking to a few men, not calling them mediocre at all, but I remember talking to a few men about how like they just manage their inbox, and it's very much they're like straight to the point. Whereas I think maybe as women we've been conditioned to like. Be very, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, dear so and so. Hope all is well. But, you know, you know, finesse an email so much. Whereas, like, they're like, no, let's get straight to the point. And so, I think they've got some key tips in how True. to kind of win and get through, get by, back, get by in life without having to overexert yourself. It's different thinking sometimes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> What's the first social media app that you're using in the morning when you actually touch your phone? When I actually <laughs> touch my phone, the first app I use is Twitter. 
to see still Twitter. it's still Twitter to see have my tweets gone anywhere that I don't want them to go anywhere and then I go on Instagram and have a good play I have a good look at like dance videos and uh yeah self-care posts but yeah I just so Twitter's like quickly checking yeah. I'm like okay where's this going I remember I did a one tweet about uh, you on Netflix do you watch oh, it oh yeah <gasps> I had six million impressions <laughs> I was like six million engagements engagements not even impressions engagements Impre- impressions was through the roof and I was like let me just keep monitoring this to make sure it's okay yeah. and not going anywhere and who should we follow on social media for any reason you've already mentioned some amazing people please uh, follow Glitch and follow um if you're on Instagram, follow Gabby Edlin. Uh, she is amazing. Um, I'll make sure the ha- handle's in this. We'll make sure we include everything. Yeah, uh, she's amazing. She's doing stuff around period equ- equity. Yeah. And I really like Gabby because she also is about changing the language. Mm-hmm. She thinks language is really important, so we don't say period yeah. poverty. We don't say, um, yeah, she's just really good. She's just really good at that. And then on Twitter... I think if you if you think some things but you are scared to say them or you wouldn't dare to say them or whatever, you should follow Kalechi Odrifal. Um, she just says it as it is. I'll just make sure that her link is also in this in this podcast. Perfect. I'll make a sure link to her Twitter that. account. Yeah, because it's like yes, thank you. For, <laughs> and you know, I do, I do try and also say thank you for saying what we can't say as well. Yeah, I think yeah, it's really course. important. So yeah. Perfect. Sounds like my Twitter feed is going to be better. I'm going to mute the right people and then follow the right ones. Yes. Perfect. Thanks for that. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been actually great and I could talk for hours because there are so many things and great things that are actually inspiring us. And please keep doing all these great things. Thank you. We'll make sure we follow you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to listen to more inspiring guests. The Reclaim Social Podcast is produced by Lightful, a technology company for social good. We work with amazing charities and nonprofit organizations and believe that those doing the greatest good deserve the best technology. If you want to find out more, visit www.lightful.com or follow us across social media. Thanks for listening.